You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls. This is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon face-to-face doing whatever it takes to bring you the good news, the, the prophets, the information, inspiration and revelation. And our Prophet Pearl partner is Mona from Mexico. That's right. We've got someone all the way from Mexico who's sponsoring Prophet Pearls. Mona, thank you so much for your uh, stepping in for us. We're actually in the book of Amos, Nehemiah, and we're not far from where Amos prophesied. And we've got a really short section in terms of the amount of verses. I want to know if it's short in terms of the amount of time. That's the question. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think we'll just talk more about the different verses. Absolutely. There's so much to talk about here. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. Amos chapter 9, 7 through 15, Kedoshim is the uh, prophet, is the Torah, Torah portion. section. Yeah, it's uh, Leviticus 19, 1 to 20, 27, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Really? It's where we have, you know, love your neighbors who love yourself. Which I had no idea was in Leviticus until I talked to you. Don't hate your brother in your heart. Yeah. Don't go about it as a tail bearer among your people. Some mm-hmm. beautiful verses there. Really? Uh, Leviticus 19 is one of my favorite passages. Mm-hmm. So we're going at um, 9, verse 7. And actually, Amos chapter 9. Yeah, yeah. Amos Seven, seven. seven to fifteen, and one of, one of the things that I, I you know that is a little bit hard is that there's this end end of the section at the end of seven before we even get to eight in the medium that says declares the Lord in English. It's like these, you know, he has. We, we talked about this before. You'll have a section where it'll say declares Yehovah, and then there'll be a section that'll be declares Yehovah. Right. And in this situation, it actually splits the verse. Yeah. So, um, are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites? And I will say this, um, I'm looking at one of the notes here in the, um, in the NIV, and I, I do like some, I, like, I love to check notes because, you know, even if it's right or wrong or whatever, it's another dimension. They actually speak of this being um, a people from the Upper Nile region. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we're dealing with the issue of Cushites. We hear about other examples of the Cushites. Where do the we hear about becomes, the Cushites? Well, we, Moses married one. That's right. That's uh, in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. It says, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because, and this is the New King James, because of the Ethiopian woman. Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you said that to an Ethiopian, they'd be very upset Mm -hmm. because Cush and and Ethiopia aren't exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, JPS says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. He married a Cushite woman. Um, And uh, and then we have a Cushite uh, in um, 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 21 and on. We've got this Cushite figure. And um, let's see, uh, where else do we have the Kushite? Um, and then we have this interesting statement, in, which, which, which we got to bring, mm-hmm. which is Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. It says, can a Kushite change his skin or the leopard his spots? And, and, and I, I know it's not politically correct to say, but one of the things that Kushites were known for was the color of their skin mm-hmm. back in, in ancient Israel? That's what Jeremiah is talking and about. And that was the same as the Europeans, or was it the no, same? Kushite were were uh, they were they, they were black folks. You, you, you're sure? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the people who live in Kush today um, look, yes. look more like you than they let, be like me. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, um, and we've got a number of Kushites. There's this 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 actually righteous man in Jeremiah thirty eight seven, Eved Melech, the servant of the king, is his name. Who's the Kushite, a eunuch who was in the king's palace? People can look at these verses themselves. Jeremiah 38 has a Kushite. Um, 
Let's see. What else do we got here? Now, in the New Testament, you've got like an Ethiopian Cushite mm-hmm. character. Can you mm-hmm. talk to the people about that? Or He was a Cushite. He was from Ethiopia. That's all you got. That's all I got. Okay. So, um, <laughs> all right. All right. And there's a few other passages. Zephaniah 2.12, Daniel 11.43, 2 Chronicles 12.3, uh, 2 Chronicles 14.8, and a bunch of places in Chronicles, uh, mm-hmm. 2 Chronicles 21.6. All right. Um but here God is saying, let me read you what it literally says in Amos 9, 7. Mm-hmm. It says, are you not like the sons of the Cushites to me, O children of Israel, says Yehovah? Mm-hmm. Uh, did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt and the Philistines from Kaftor and Aram from Kir? And this is what uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that is really interesting. To me. He says, I brought up, I mean, when you talk about someone bring, you know, bringing up a, a people from a land, yeah. Israel from Egypt, that's the end of the conversation. No, he says, I also brought the Philistines from Kaftor and the Arameans from Kir. Right. And and should we talk about that first or the whole Kushite? No, let's talk first? about this. I mean, okay. I mean, okay, I mean. You want to get out of talking about the Kushites. Oh, no, we can talk about the Kushites. I mean, All right. I, well, let's talk about the Philistines first. All right. So we actually, in a previous discussion, so what is Kaftor? Do you have Kaftor? What do you yeah, have it says Kaftor. Yep. Okay. So it's not clear what Kaftor is. The Septuagint. Crete. So some people say it's Crete, yeah, uh, and that's because we have the island of Kaftor in some passages. Mm-hmm. But then the Septuagint translates it as Cappadocia, mm-hmm. which is an area in southern Turkey today or, or mm-hmm. Asia Minor back then. But it's somewhere out there in the Mediterranean that, that the Philistines came from, and we actually know that from modern archaeology and modern, you know, um, the archaeologists discovered sources that that um, especially in Egypt, the Egyptologists discovered descriptions and, and in Hittite sources about something called the Sea Peoples. Mm-hmm. The Sea Peoples came from the Aegean area, which today is in Greece. Um, and they invaded, um, they actually invaded the entire eastern Mediterranean basin, mm-hmm. but particularly the Philistines. The Philistines that we know about from the time of David aren't the same Philistines as the time of Abraham. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in Philistia, so they're called Philistines, mm-hmm. but these Philistines come from, um, from you know, from, from, this from, place. from Crete or somewhere in the Aegean basin, uh, mm-hmm. the Aegean area. Um, and we actually have a reference to that, 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 18, verse 18. We read this in a previous section. It's talking about David's different forces. And it mentions the Crete and the Plate, the mm-hmm. Cretans and the Pletans, yep. um, who were these bands of Philistines who, who fought with David. Um, so, and there it's actually called Crete. It's the word Crete, so mm-hmm. which makes you think that Kaftor isn't Crete. Um, maybe Kaftor is uh, Cyprus, according mm-hmm. to another explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is interesting. So we know the Philistines came from Crete, but God took them up out of Crete. That's what it says. And Aram from Kir, we actually don't know that story. Where is Kir, and, and how did the Arameans come and, from? And this Kir? is an example, but this is an example, Nehemiah, where 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 we do we hear something like this, and we could search diligently. We can search mm-hmm. in extra biblical sources. We can search in, and maybe we don't find the answer. Right. The only answer is here. It's possible that the only answer right. is here that he's the one that brought them up. Right. Well, in other words, this is referring to something that was well known. It was a known fact in ancient times, and we don't know it. We only know it from here. Mm. Um, we've talked about other things like that. Um, and look, this is, opens up the opportunity where we can make something up and we can have an entire doctrine and theology about how, well, the Arameans from Kir, Kir was actually a planet in a very distant galaxy. And these were Nephilim that were brought here. And we, we could have the entire, uh, we, we can go and tell people, I figured it out. I've got, I've got the doctrine here. Yeah. Um, and who can argue with it? Cause it's all made up. Mm-hmm. And I just say, look, whoever these people were, we know who Arameans were, but where Kir is, I don't know. Um, but what's the significance of comparing Israel saying you're like the sons of the Cushites to me mm-hmm. and then mentioning, you know, I brought up Israel from Egypt, but I also brought up the Philistines from Kaftor and the Arameans from Kir. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the question. And then in the, in the middle of it, in the middle of verse seven, 
has this has this statement uh, declares in English it says here mm-hmm. de- uh, declares the Lord. Why is it in the middle yeah. of the the verse? Yeah. By the way, one other verse, Deuteronomy chapter two, uh, verses twenty two to twenty three mentions this issue of the kaftorim coming from kaftor, mm-hmm. um, and it mentions um, how the original inhabitants of of Aza or Gaza today mm-hmm. were this people called the Avim, and they were wiped out by the kaftorim. And so the Philistines in the time of, 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 of Abraham aren't the same as the Philistines in the time of, of, of Moses. They, mm-hmm. They've been displaced by these Kaftorites, these mm-hmm. Cretans. Um, and then Jeremiah 47.40 mentions uh, the island, uh, the remnant of the Philistines, the island of Kaftor. Mm-hmm. Apparently they fled from this island, although island can also mean coast of Kaftor, so maybe it's Cappadocia. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. So I have no idea what this verse means. I'll, I'll say it right up front. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, uh, can I share some of the things I found? Sure. All right. And, 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 and this, is a, this is a sensitive topic. Can, can, I, can we just put that out there? Absolutely, as long as All you right. let me respond. Okay, so the reason it's a sensitive topic is um, we read that verse from Jeremiah that said that the, that the Cushite is known for his skin and he can't change his skin just like a leopard can't change its spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that they were known in ancient Israel for was for being black. Mm-hmm. Um, and the medieval Jewish commentators kind of jumped upon this, but then they combined that with the culture in which they lived. Mm-hmm. And many of these Jews lived in Muslim countries and Arab countries, which were extremely racist. Mm-hmm. Um, in Arabic, in fact, the word for slave is abd. Mm-hmm. Um, which means slave, but it also means black person. Mm-hmm. It literally means slave, but if you want to say someone's a black person, you call him abd, mm-hmm. um, and which is the Hebrew eved. Um, and so here's the problem: you have these Jews who are living in this culture, and they're looking around themselves, and they're you know white, and maybe they're not white like me, but they're um, they're you know um, brown, and they're looking around, and they're seeing people from Africa with frizzy hair, and they're being kept as slaves by the Arabs, mm-hmm. and the word for black person is slave. So then they read this verse and they interpret it through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to re- I, I found five interpretations in the medieval sources, and let me just run through them. Number one is a medieval Jewish source who says that, um, what does God mean when he say that you are like the sons of the Cushites? He's saying Israel is alienated from their father, God, like the children of the Cushites who don't know their father. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I read that and I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought, what on earth is that talking about? And probably the reality he's referring to is you had these um, these uh, African slaves mm-hmm. being, being kept as slaves by the Arabs and their father, they'd have a child and the father would then be sold to the next village or sold down the river. Mm-hmm. And so you have this little slave boy growing up and he, he literally doesn't know who his father is. And and to them, that's what it meant to be the sons of a Kushite. Mm-hmm. In the time of Amos, it's it's really inconceivable. That's what it meant. Sure. Um, that reality did not exist. Um, there were slaves, but it had nothing to do with race in the time of, of, of um, you know, of, of, of um, Amos. Um uh, the nut, second one is, he says, you are like the children of the Kushites. This is a medieval Jewish commentator. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like this one, even though it's probably not correct. Uh, <laughs> maybe it is. You are like the children of the Kushites, distinguishable and always recognizable as my children, even when you are mixed among the nations. Mm-hmm. And here's the quote, exact quote. He says, you are special to me like the sons of Kushites who are always recognizable but, and disting, distinctly belonging to their fathers by the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. So you children of Israel, all who see them will recognize them as the sons of the living God. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, can, can I just say this? If a white woman marries, uh, you know, has a child with a, with a, a Kushite man, then the child 
very probably will be will be dark, and everyone will know that that's his son. He's saying, "You Israel are just like the sons of the Cushites to me, because everyone knows you're my children." Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, it, it involves race, but it, but not in a bad. I mean, can mm-hmm. you, what do you think? Yeah, well, actually, you know, this is one something that's for a long time I've always dealt with because one of the things that we I think we get confused about mm-hmm. is presently today, as you just mentioned, you just gave the example. I thought it was a beautiful mm-hmm. example. You said that the Philistines of of uh, Abraham were not the Philistines of Moses. Mm-hmm. That they're basically you have a different group of people and as yeah. far as the migration of people and colors of skin yeah. shades of skin I can go into the Old Testament and I can say okay so how did Joseph end up in Africa and, and, and it's so funny I was in graduate school yeah. and I said to the lady I said um, I said you know isn't it interesting Joseph was in Africa and she said what do you mean Joseph was in Africa when was Joseph in Africa <laughs> really and then I said to her well I said you know he was in Egypt mm-hmm. she says that's not Africa <laughs> <laughs> And my point well, last is, time I checked it geographically, was, yeah. it is. And so Joseph's in, in, in Africa, yeah. and he's growing up, in, and he's, yeah. what, did he did he put on some makeup so that they didn't know, you know, who no, he was? No, but they knew he was a foreigner. They knew, absolutely they did. And his brothers didn't know, you know, who he was. Or, another example is is that you have, um, you have um, um, the people of Moses himself. So Moses is brought up in Pharaoh's house. Yeah. And, and uh, no one knew that Moses uh, was a Hebrew? That was in the movie Gods and Kings, right? Or, no, no, no. I'm asking the, the Prince of Egypt. Egypt. No, 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 I'm sure. Or the Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Um, but no, but in, my po- in, in the real story, they, I'm sure they knew exactly who he was. Yeah. She immediately looks at the baby and says, oh, it's a Hebrew baby. Yeah, yeah. That's she, right. She, she knew who he was. Yeah. Know. So, but I'm just saying yeah. is that, you know, and, and presently when we, th- New Testament also have this, they said, they called Paul an Egyptian. Isn't Paul, aren't you the Egyptian? What does that mean? What, what did, well, what no, did that, people look like? That's a different period of history. Yeah, of course. By that time, the Greeks had infiltrated Egypt and, and, and northern Egypt, especially the you know, right. Alexandria in that area. That was that was a heavily Greek area, so Paul could but pass. Let me now bring Egypt. it till today, and this is one of the most beautiful things I think about being in in Israel. One of the most beautiful things. In fact, true. two or three days ago, I was on my way to go see Netanyahu, and he was on his way to the United <laughs> States. And you, I went to the, to, and to the him, official no. residence where Netanyahu is, and I was greeted by an Ethiopian woman. <laughs> Who was darker than me with a big AK forty seven? She's protecting. Was it an AK or an M sixteen? It was a big. Let me say it was a big gun. Okay. And one of the things that's been so amazing to me about being in in, in Israel is that is that the nations have been brought from north, south, east, and west. And here's the part that's so beautiful. So here's this group of people from Ethiopia that are Jews. And here's this people from uh, the Sephardic Jews. And here are this group of people from Argentina. And here's this group of people in, from Europe. And it's like this rainbow of of colors. I mean, well, I, I was in I was in China, and, and yeah. I met Jews who had been in China for a thousand years, and they looked like Chinese. People. Exactly. And I guess this is the part that I wanted to say that's so beautiful is that yeah. you have all of these different colors mm-hmm. of skin of people, but when when they're here, and, and Netanyahu said this at one point. He said he said, "Come back home." And he's talking to people, you know, mm-hmm. "Come back home wherever they're from." And and when they get here, they're Jews, right? And, and, and so when I'm walking down the street, they don't know unless I open my mouth <laughs> initially. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they do. Some people think I look Ethiopian. I don't know what I look like. But the point is, I think I've seen such a beautiful example of the array of colors, of, of a diverse array of colors of people here that are, as as you talked about there, whatever that possibility is, that are actually from the people of the people of Israel, which I just think is, right. ah, I just think it's amazing. So well, look, and, there, and there's no question that, um, you know, Jews lived in different countries mm-hmm. and they intermingled with the local populations, mm-hmm. not to mention a mixed multitude came out of Egypt. Say that, brother. And, um, you know... Uh, so, you know, so what so, they look like is my point. Look, I've got blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm not saying you don't that, have any hair. What are you talking well, about? When I, when I had hair, <laughs> it was blonde or it was gingy, as they say in Hebrew. It was it was a Auburn. Um, 
you know, and, and you know, did the ancient Israelites have blue eyes? I don't know. It, it's not important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, probably they were kind of like brownish, um, but I don't know. We don't, we it, don't know. it's not really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause my ancestors, when they were in Eastern Europe for a thousand years, yes, they, in, they inter, intermingled with the local population, just like the Jews in, in China intermingled with local Jew, with local people mm-hmm. and the Jews in Ethiopia intermingled with local people and the Jews in, in Morocco inter, yes, inter, intermingled with local people. And and as it and here and here's where people get confused. They think Jew is a race, mm-hmm. um, or they say oh, either Jew is a race or it's a religion. And it's really something. It's a. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's neither of those. It's it, it's something that defies Western definitions. Where to be a Jew is to be a nation that has a covenant with God. And so there's a faith aspect of it, but mm. there's also what you might call an ethnic aspect of it. And that really defies Western definitions. Um, it definitely is something that the ancients would have understood. You know, we have the passage of Jephthah where he's talking to the Ammonites and he says, look, you've got Kamosh and uh, and he's your God and we've got Yehovah and he's our God. And um, and now there was, even with that, there was an opportunity to leave Kamosh and become part of the people of Israel, which Ruth the Moabite did. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely there was this concept, we are a covenant people. And that's a better definition. It's not I a race, like it's not that. a religion, it's a covenant people. Yeah, yeah I like that. And that's okay. why I say, you know, people, I've, there's been long, long and hard arguments about uh, color of skin and race and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and certainly that, that can be, you know, people's thing. I just think what's so beautiful about today is that when you're here and people don't know this, yeah. if they haven't visited Israel, it, it shocked me when I got Oh, you here. see people of every color, every hue, every hue, every speaking, you know, dozens, speak, dozens of languages. Uh, yeah. Um, and I've if heard, you ask yeah. them, they'll say I'm Jewish. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for so. sure. And um, the people acknowledge them as, as Jewish. Right. So, yeah. And 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 look, I mean, there are certain nuances, absolutely, but they're not about race. They exactly. are about culture. In other yeah, words, exactly. you know, you'll have tensions between the um, Iraqi Jews and the Kurdish Jews, even though, like, you know, me as, you know, not coming from that part of the world, my ancestors are like, wait a minute, where's Kurdistan? Exactly. <laughs> and how is that different from Iraq? Exactly. Isn't that exactly. in Iraq? Exactly. Actually, now people know about that a little bit better because of what's yep. going on in Northern. Mm-hmm. But you would have said 20 years ago, oh, no, he's not, he's not an Iraqi Jew. He's a Kurdish Jew. You know, they look the same. Uh, their prayers sound the same to me. Um, ah, you know, amazing. Amazing. But, you know, there are definitely some subtleties. But absolutely, if you ask somebody, you know, they'll say, first, I'm a Jew, and then I'm an Ethiopian. First, I'm a Jew, mm-hmm. and then I'm, uh, you know, an Eastern European, and Ashkenazi. First, mm-hmm. I'm a Jew, and then I'm a Sephardic Jew. Um, so, all right. But I want to understand this verse in the context of Amos, and then how it was understood by Jews later on, mm-hmm. or maybe even misunderstood. I like this explanation. He's saying that, you know, the descendant of a Kushite is known because because of the color of his skin, just like you're known as my children. Mm-hmm. And here's the question I ask for, for those who out there who are, who are racist based on people's skin color. Um, so Moses married a Kushite woman. What color do you think their baby was? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think he had blonde hair and blue eyes or did he have frizzy hair? Um, you know, and, and we don't know because we, we haven't seen the baby. But presumably, you know, he had the DNA of both parents. And I don't think anybody looked at that child and said, oh, no, he, he's not, you know, part of us. No, right. I mean, they... they they completely accepted him as the son of Moses. Verse, or uh, not verse three. Se- the third explanation of "you are like the sons of the, of the Kushites" to me from the medieval Jewish sources is that you are no different to me than the other nations that I love, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. In other words, I love the Kushites, I love the Philistines, I love the, the Arameans, and I love you too. You're, you're no different. Don't think you're anything special. Explanation number four is the exact opposite. You are no different to me than other nations that are irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. You think you're important? You're just as irrelevant to me as, as the Philistines and the Kushites. Yep. The fifth explanation, it says, by all rights, you should be slaves like the Kushites, but I took you out of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think that's an anachronism because at the time of, of uh, Amos, the Kushites weren't known as slaves. That's something that came later from the Muslim culture, mm-hmm. from the Arabic culture. 
Um, and just to give you one example, we talked about this, how there was um, the uh, we talked about the Assyrians, how the Assyrians were camped against, um, uh, you know, there, there was the war where they were trying to conquer Israel. And they heard the rumor that Tirhaka, king of Cush, was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. This, this was a kingdom in here. It's a, a 2 Kings 19.9. It says, For the king of Assyria learned that King Terhaka of Nubia, it says in the JPS, but in Hebrew it's Cush, uh, had come out to fight him. Uh, so he again, blah, 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 etc. So, <laughs> um, no, so the point is that Cush was something that put fear in the hearts of, of you know, of Israelites mm-hmm. and even of Assyrians. The Assyrian Empire is running at fear because there's this king there's this army coming from Cush. Mm-hmm. So so and here's my point when a Jew in the Middle Ages looked at Cushite and heard this he said, "Oh, those are slaves, you know, because we know we see the Arabs keeping them as slaves because the Arabs are, are inherently racist in their in their culture, uh, at least towards black people." Um, uh, to the point like I said that even the word for slave means, you know, black person mm-hmm. it means slave, but that's an anachronism that did not exist in the time of Amos. In biblical times, Cush was a mighty kingdom in in what today is uh um, you know, south, probably more like Sudan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, southern. It was in the Upper Nile, basically, the king, kingdom of Kush. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand it within its cultural context, and within its cultural context, I really like the second explanation that I can recognize mm-hmm. my children just like anybody can recognize the son of a Kushite. But I don't know what it means. That's yeah. the bottom line. Yeah, and after when it's all said and done, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. We don't yeah. know. But it, it, it's, it's kind of a mysterious statement. This whole thing with Kier and the Philistine. Like, what? What are yeah, you talking like about? I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it's. I, I mean, and the thing, the only thing I say I would that I that I like about the statement is yeah. there's the part that we don't know. And again, we talked about yeah. this a few weeks ago in terms of Yahovah's bigness regarding uh, delivering, bringing bringing salvation through Aram. You know, or, or whatever it was that was going on that we don't know why, when, where, why, or how, but just the amazing mm-hmm. part of the fact that he's a, he's he's the ruler of the entire earth, and so there isn't a kingdom that he can't have, it doesn't have, or isn't a part of, um, you know, doing what he does. So that's that's well, and that's an important point that I'll often refer to him, and in scripture will refer to him as the God of Israel. Yep, but only in the sense mm-hmm. that. God has a covenant relationship with Israel, mm-hmm. and through Israel, the entire world knows that He is God. That Hallelujah. He is the, the Yehovah Hua Elohim. Yehovah, He is God, Amen. the one and only. So it says, "Surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Yet I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob." Naum Yehovah saith the Lord in English. That's so beautiful. So, <laughs> so what, what is what is the sinful kingdom? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people, especially those coming from your tradition, correct me if I'm wrong. Hear the sinful kingdom, and the first thing they would think is, you know, Babylon the whore. Am, am, I, am I right? Mm, it's no? possible. I mean, okay, it, it means- but but in the context, the sinful kingdom of, is Israel, mm-hmm. and I think the message here in verse eight is God is going to destroy the kingdom of Israel. But he will not completely destroy the house of Jacob. And that's the good His covenant that's, with Israel stands even though the yeah. kingdom has been destroyed. And that's why whenever we see the word, you know, he talks about the remnant are bringing the dross and bringing the mm-hmm. silver back and all these things. It's yeah. like, wow, this is the, again, I use the word carefully. It's the good news. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. yeah, there's going to be accountability, but there's also grace. And this mm-hmm. grace is going to be yes, something that's going to make, uh, make, make the, the world stand up and take notice. Right. And in case you didn't understand that, verse 9 explains. <laughs> yeah, unless you, yeah, if you in missed case it. you missed the point of verse <laughs> go ahead, read it. Read verse 9, no, no, please. Go ahead. No, it goes because... All right. It says, um, here, let me read you this. Uh, where do we got here? <laughs> Amos yes. 9, 9. For surely I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. Mm. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. So what does that mean, sifting them? First of all, this is a metaphor we've seen before, I believe, with with the sieve. Mm. Um, and and the point here is God's saying, I'm going to... say sift? Is that what it says in you? Yeah, what do you got? I know it says, I will shake the house of Israel. Okay. Yep. And what does that mean? So so what they would do is, that, you know, people were farmers and they grew grain, they grew wheat, and you you put it through the threshing floor mm-hmm. and you'd be left with, uh, you're left with seed, but the seed is, you know, mean the grain that you eat. You'd be left with the grain, mm-hmm. but there's some chaff in there and there's some, you know, like kind of like... Um, pieces of the um of, of the stock in there and and what you do then is you take it in a sieve and you shake the sieve and what happens is the grain falls to the ground and what's left behind is all the junk and he's saying i'm going to sift the israel in a sieve um not nothing that's oh i'm sorry the junk falls down and, and the seeds are left behind and you just make the sieve mm-hmm. um you know the right thickness and you keep the seeds but you lose the the chaff and the junk um, and the point here is that he's saying nothing's going to fall to the ground, not one of the kernels. Because in reality, when you when you shake the sieve in ancient Israel and ancient mm. agriculture, some of it falls to the ground and then you pick those little pieces up, mm-hmm. the ones that you lose. He's saying nothing's going to fall to the ground to get lost. And shake is right, but it's 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 shaking a sieve, you know, that, that's yeah. the image. Yeah. Um, and what he's saying is I'm going to send Israel into exile like grain in the sieve, but the good ones won't be lost. Wow. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I look at the history. People say, how, you know, why do you, you know, why do you believe in, in the Torah? They say to me, why do you believe in the scripture? And, 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 and they're looking for some kind of, you know, rational, um, sort of ra- rationalistic um, argument. And I say, I, I don't need to, you know, bring that kind of argument because I look at the history of my people and I see them as a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, here he's describing this in the time of Amos, which is before the first exile. I mean, before the Babylonian exile, Amos that's is writing this. The, that's important to know, that it's before the first Yeah, time. oh yeah. Amos yeah. is writing this during the time of the first kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, during the kingdom of Israel. And he's saying, look, this kingdom's going to be destroyed, and they're going to go into exile, but Israel won't cease to be a people. Mm-hmm. The, the people will continue. The nation will continue. Isaiah 30, verse 28 is a, is a great parallel. It says, and his breath is an overflowing stream that reaches even unto the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity. I love that phrase. Mm. And a bridle that causes to err shall be put, uh, shall be in the jaws of the people. Um, so we've got this image of nations being sifted. Jeremiah twenty three three. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. This is the ingathering. Mm. So he's saying yes, there's going to be this sifting, but the ones who need to come back, they're going to come back. And, wow. and you know, and for me that's really significant because I look at the exile and the diaspora, and I say, why do we have to suffer like this? And, and he's telling us here what the whole point of the diaspora was, that he's going to send us out into the sieve of the nations, and the ones he comes back are going to be the good seed, the one who, who, who he wants to bring back. And, and everyone who's supposed to come back will. Um, this is a little controversial, but can I bring you something from the New Testament? <laughs> Please, of course. Luke 22, 31 to 32 has this image of the sieve. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. There it's Satan mm-hmm. who's sifting not Yehovah. But it's in a metaphor that was, you know, would have been made a lot of sense in ancient times. They were farmers; they, they knew these things. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, uh, when once you have turned again, uh, strengthen your brothers. Whatever it's the metaphor of the sieve. There, it's interesting. Um, you know, this was part of the daily life. Seeing these things, the the sieve. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so um, yeah, verse ten. W- verse ten. Oh, well, okay, all the sinners among my people will die by the sword. Mm-hmm. All those who say disaster will not overtake us. Or, or meet us. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword. All those who say, disaster will not overtake or meet us. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for verse 11. I'll be honest with you. Okay. 
<laughs> in that day. In what day? I will restore David's fallen tent. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, you know, and again, being here probably makes it even more exciting. You know, we're, we're, we, 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 we've been to the city of David and um, not on this, obviously on this one, because I, I haven't been allowed to leave the apartment for <laughs> now three days. You gave me 30 minute break no, on a no. bus. Come <laughs> on. Now tell people where you were yesterday since you brought where, it up. Where was I yesterday? You went and you met with your, your, oh, you had yeah, a secret no, no, meeting no, with, no, with, no, no, uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's another issue. I wasn't involved in no, that. You, you had no, but I meant what I meant is I'm, I'm famous international figures. No, no. The reason I'm here is because of this. And so, but, but I have to say, to just be aware of the fact mm-hmm. that not far, Nehemiah, mm-hmm. not far from here, what, what, how long would it take us to take the bus, to go and see where, where the city of David oh, is? Oh, if we got in a taxi, we'd be there in 15 minutes. In 15 Ten, ten minutes. minutes without traffic. Ah, um, maybe an hour with traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love this. So you said the tent of David. So It, it says, says the, the fallen tent. So it says the Sukkah of David. Does it say the Sukkah? Sukkah, yes. like the Feast of Sukkot, the Feast of Booths. Mm. So what is the fallen booth of David? Mm. Now let's read the whole verse. Yeah, and I will repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares Yehovah, who will do these things. Oh, my goodness. What are all the nations? <laughs> no, wait, which part can we start? At? Let's start in 11. So, <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So he's going he's to restore David's fallen tent, repair its broken places, restore its ruins, and build it as it used to be. Now, now, I, now can I just throw out uh, sure. you know, what I think sure. about when I think about that? I th- I, the reason I brought up the issue of how being so close to the city of David, you know, I can't think of the city of David... Zion without thinking about the mountain, you know, and, and what presently is there. Like I can go and look today and I mean, 20, 30 years ago, could you even do this? I mean, where were they at in the archaeological process of digging up the city of David? Like 50 years ago. So when I studied archaeology at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, we had a test at the end of one of the courses and, um, and it asked about the city of David and I answered the questions perfectly. I got like, you know, all the points on that. Um, on that answer in the test and everything I said was correct at the time. And now looking back, everything I said is no longer considered, is all considered wrong. And the reason is that leading up to the year 2000, they did these major excavations and the test was before 2000. They did these major excavations and they found out that all the things they thought before about the city of David was wrong. So anything you read about the city of David, that's more than a few years old is probably going to be wrong. Back up. So you're telling me that before 2000, before they did the digging, right? You, and they, they had dug there before. Under, but they gave you the questions 60s. and you answered the questions. You I got answered them all right. perfectly and I got all the points because I answered what I was taught and what everyone at the time believed. But then they did more excavations and found out what I was taught was wrong. Wow. And um, it had to do with around the Gijon Spring mm-hmm. and they found this fortress there. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. You can go and see it today. It's amazing. amazing but none amazing. of that was known before the year really 2099 around well, that time. think about that. So now it's 2015, 15 years ago. Yeah. 15 years ago. I mean, before 15 years. And my point is, yeah. the reason I brought it up is that now you can actually look and you can see here's where the city of David is. And then you look up and you see where the, uh, the ruined tent of David. <laughs> well, hold on. What's the tent? What's, I'm, I'm, called, listen, what's the I'm talking Sukkah? about the Temple Mount. I'm talking about. Uh, no. So this is the question. When it yeah. says the Sukkah of David, the booth of David, okay. that's fallen. Is it referring to the temple mm. or is it referring to the dynasty of David, the house of David? Yeah, I would think and that's so. not clear at all. Yeah, it's not clear. I, I would think it's the house of David um, and not the temple, yeah. which was built by Solomon. Right. That's the reason it could be the temple is that David, before the before Solomon built the temple, he took the ark and put it in a tent. Yes. And so there's that image that, you know, the temple essentially is replacing this tent and mm-hmm. the temple falls. 
Um, it's not clear. The only reason it, I think it, about it as fallen intent is we I think about David and the legacy after that. You know, <clears throat> David and his sons and his sons and his mm-hmm. sons and his sons. Right. And certainly, when you look at the, the situation, it definitely uh, that that legacy had had a had quite a big shift and still has had a big shift. Right. So, well, in any event, so this may refer to the rebuilding of the temple or the reestablishment of the kingdom of David. Mm-hmm. Either way, we're talking about what we refer to as the era of the Messiah mm-hmm. in Judaism. You know, Yemei Mashiach. The Messiah will reign on the throne, and the temple will be rebuilt. Sukkot David Hanofelat, the fallen, uh, the right, the raising up of the fallen tent of David or the fallen Sukkah of David is mm-hmm. clearly referring to this messianic era and that excites me here we've got a messianic prophecy yes. i don't th- does anyone dispute that this is a messianic prophecy do Christians- i don't know i don't know if anybody i don't know about if people dispute it or not but i mean in reading it and understanding it in its mm-hmm. context you're talking about david and i mean that's where this that's the <clears throat> promise that's the promise the promise comes through david amen so i mean absolutely and I, and I just want to make a comment on the phrase you said something like repair its breaches or yes, something like yep, that yep. so literally it's to um to fence in the, the, the breaches, meaning mm-hmm. the image here is there's a wall, and when the city is captured, they, they use a battering ram, and they knock down the wall, and there's a big hole in the wall where all the soldiers run through, and, um, and he's saying, I'm going to repair those breaches mm-hmm. in the wall. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that because my ministry is, you know, I'm uh, Macor Hebrew Foundation, and, and the image I have for me, I have Nehemiah's Wall is my website, NehemiahsWall.com, mm-hmm. and the image I get always is of, of, of uh of Nehemiah, the man I'm named after, the book that's written, mm-hmm. uh, the book of, in the Tanakh, and he's standing up there with the trumpeters and they're why going to Why do you say show- Nehemiah? Why don't you ever say it the way it's supposed to be? Why don't it's you say Nehemiah. Okay. Okay. The book Thank of Nehemiah. Um, so Nehemiah's wall, and I'm Nehemiah, but English people know it as Nehemiah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so um, through that image of they're, they're repairing the breaches in the wall. And here, Yehovah, you know, that, that was prophetic. Imagine the time of Nehemiah, Nehemiah, he's walking around the wall and there's places he can't even go with his, with his, with his animal, with his horse or his, or his donkey, because the wall has collapsed and there's so much damage there. Um, he's got to get off and just kind of climb on the ruins of this wall of Jerusalem. And here, this is part of the image that the wall is, the breaches of the wall are going to be repaired. So for me, this is both a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect. What I've always wanted to do, this is what I've been called to do, I feel like, is to repair those breaches, the breaches in the wall, mm-hmm. in order to glorify this, um, the, the city of, of Yehovah and the fallen, the fallen tabernacle of David, the fallen uh, Sukkah mm-hmm. of David. Mm-hmm. And what is the date right now we're in right now, Nehemiah, as far as this particular oh, uh, when it's session? Gonna, do when, we have two of these? In, in one? Uh, well, it's going to be read in synagogues around the world on April 25th, 2015. Okay, so we're, we're doing two. We're getting two. And we're now on, yeah, we've so, got, we got a two for this week. There's a two but then in years week. to come, they'll be on different weeks. Isn't isn't that so, interesting? Yeah. What? Wow, that's amazing. The reason I'm bringing that up is I'm kind of counting the weeks also in terms of our ministry, BFAInternational.com. There's so many different things that have happened up to this point, and there's so many things that are going to be happening in the future. But right now, we're in a bit of a transition because uh, I'm here in the land of Israel during this time really trying to do two things. One of them is really clear. We're addressing the issue of um, prophet pearls, which I have to say, Nehemiah, from the time that you asked me until now, it's fulfilling Something for me that is just, just, it's what we do, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith. And I am now a part of something that will last for as long as we know, unless, unless of course, the prophecy uh, comes in uh, the... Until the internet melts down. You know, the four moons <laughs> say that, uh, you know, it's, it's oh. over. But but basically, people all the time can li- can listen to that. So I always want to re- remind people to go to bfainternational.com. There's constantly things that are changing, new things that are on that front page. There's three doors there, God's time, God's Torah, God's Tetragrammaton, His name. You can go through any of those and you can experience things. No registration. If you register, you get access to more. And if you become a part of the premium... 
content library. You get access to everything, including what hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to announce that will be available that's going to help people in building their faith. So I want to invite you to go to BFAinternational.com and take a look at the site. There's so many different things and we're getting so many different responses from people around the world. It's just a fulfillment of what I've always wanted to see happen. And that's for people to to be engaged and to encounter uh, the information, inspiration and revelation. So please take a moment to visit BFAinternational.com. And we only have a few more verses, but they're the best. So join Keith to work on the foundations and then come join me to fill in the breaches. <laughs> <That's a nice laughs> We're going like to build that. the wall. <laughs> Let's build the wall. He's the stones at the bottom. Yeah. All right. Verse 12. <laughs> yeah. So that they may possess the remnant of Edom. We already said that one. Well, no, we got to talk about and, it. Though. I know. And all the nations that bear my name. Declares the Lord. Who are all the nations that bear his name? Wow. You know, it's, uh, I got to say something. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, I wasn't taught that growing up, that there was more than one nation that bears the name of Jehovah. Yeah, if you go to the Septuagint, it says, so that the remnant of men and all the nations that bear my name may seek. And it says the Lord. Mm. Wow. So who are the nations? Oh, all those that bear his name. So there's more than one nation that bears There's got to be. Wow. Mm. And, you know, what What connects for me this verse is the prophecy in Malachi where it talks about my name is honored among all the nations among and talk, the nations. It talks about how you, Israel, you know, despise it. So, um, look, can, can I say something really controversial? Sure, here? of course. So if we have to look out in the world and ask who are the nations that bear the name of Jehovah, who are they? Mm. Do you, do you know where those nations are? I think I do, and that's my challenge for the people. Go out and find nations around the world that know the name Yehovah, and that's who this is talking about. Amen. <laughs> All right. The First. days are coming, declares Yehovah, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. And when I read this, uh, the next phase, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. I'm immediately thought about Amos and where he's at in uh-huh. Tekoa. Because right. Tekoa, which is what now, again, what do we, if we drive a car... We could be there in 25 minutes, you know, something like that, yeah. maybe 30 minutes. Um, but, I mean, think about this. Put it in that context, and he's talking about this, where if you go to Dakota to this day, you just see you just see grapevines, you know, and, and, and where, where the oil, you know, olive, olive oil and, and grapes, and it's like, man, I mean, it's in a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. And he's saying here, um, it says, and the planter by the one who's treading grapes, new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all of the hills. And I mean, that's a picture uh, of what's happening. I mean, uh, that's a picture of what's going to happen, right? I right. Say. Well, and it's an image of great, um, you know, what do you call that? Um, fruitfulness. Exactly. And, and, and it's an image that, that evokes a memory of Leviticus 26.5 in the section there of the blessing and the curse. And in the blessing, it says, your threshing shall overtake the vintage. And your which is grapes, and the vintage shall overtake the sowing. Yes, you shall eat your fill of bread and dwell securely in your land. In other words, you're going to have you're going to be so successful that you're not going to even have you know any break. You're just going to be mm-hmm. you know have have so you know such as great such a great blessing and bounty mm-hmm. that you know it's going to keep you busy, mm-hmm. um, which is a really good thing. You know, um, if you have a really short harvest in ancient times, that means like, you're probably going to starve next year. Wow. Um, and uh, here it's saying you're going to have so much harvest, it's going to take you all the time, to the, you know, all the way to the time you're dealing with the grapes. Mm-hmm. And your grape issues are going to take you all the time to the next harvest, the, ne- the next uh, planting of the grain. You're going to be very busy because God's going to bless you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so funny, uh, Nehemiah. I know we're not the, almost to the last verse, but I want to I want to I wanted to say something. 
Again, just to remind people, we're actually physically in the land of Israel for a couple of weeks doing this, but you're listening to this in the future. Uh, when we were actually here um, just yesterday, we were I was watching and you were watching also um, Netanyahu speak about um, you know the situation with 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 Iran and all the controversy around that. But there was a, a couple phrases that caught my attention, and one of them just another reminder is as he was speaking about the fact he says is that you know. He's, he says that, you know, in a hundred generations, we weren't able to defend ourselves, and now we can because mm-hmm. we, he said, because we have been brought back to our land. We are mm-hmm. we are a people that have come from north, south, east, and west. And, you know, when we talk about a prophecy being fulfilled and prophet pearls and, and looking at prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow, is there any prophecy that's just as... as any more clear than this prophecy, the fact that the people are going to be brought in like today, you and I can go out on a bus stop as we did and we can get on a bus and I can see soldiers on that bus and I can see why children and with their mothers and I can see fathers and I can see people from different parts of the world. And if you did a survey of those people and you asked them, where do you come from? What do you think they would say? Some would say I've come as far as from South America. Some would say I've come as far as Iraq. Others would say I've come as far as Russia. Others, I came from the United States and they're all back in the land right now where God planted them. That to me is like, and I know we talk about it all the time. The the scriptures talk about it all the time, but this is the remnant of people that have been brought back. It's a prophecy that's fulfilled in our lifetime. I mean, we're watching this happen in real time. I mean, it's not like, oh, we hope that eventually, you know, Israel will be able to get past the UN Security Council's ability. Ah, those days are done. It's a nation and it's a nation that's being brought back. I mean, and, and who brought them back? Yehovah brought them back. Oh, man. man that's amazing oh, to me. Man. It's so. all, it's, I mean, it is amazing. To me, like I said, I look at this and I don't need to come up with some kind of hypothetical, theoretical, exactly. abstract argument. Exactly. To me, the very history of the people of Israel is proof that Yehovah, Hu Elohim, Yehovah is God. Mm-hmm. And it actually says it in scripture that, that the whole world will look and they'll see this and they'll say, oh, we know that he's some God. people that makes people and, mad. And to me, it's so deep, deeply part of my spirit and my heart that I look at Israel and it's it's just clear mm-hmm. this is a fulfillment of prophecy makes some people very angry some people get very angry about this I mean they just <laughs> why, they, they, why do they get angry I, I mean I think this is also a part of it you know that the nations you know they, they, they begin to pull, try to pull their hair out and say you know what are we going to do about these people that are connected mm-hmm. with this God you know I mean I just think that that's can, uh, can I read verse 14 sure absolutely it says and I will and I will return the captivity of my people Israel and they will build desolate cities, and they will uh, they will dwell. Literally, they will sit. They will dwell, and they will plant vineyards, and they will drink their uh, their wine. They will make um, uh, gardens, and they will eat their fruits. Yeah, we were and in I, and, Go ahead. Well, I, I read this, and I and I and I think about like. This is what it, you know, again, we, was it in this episode we talked about the West Bank settlers or was that in the last that was episode? Last one. In the last one. Um, <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing so many episodes. Um, you know, and I read this and, I, and, I, and, I, and this is what I see. I see people, you know, in Tekoa, which is a so-called West Bank settlement. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Tekoa is the city of Amos. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Jews lived there before 1948. It was captured by the Jordanians and held prisoner for 19 years. Jews then returned to that area. And, and some of the same Jews who were, who were uh, actually taken captive by the Jordanians mm-hmm. and, and handed over to the Red Cross, and they returned to that area, uh, which, called, which is called Gush Etzion, which is, includes Tekoa. And, um, and today they're called the evil settlers. What? And what planet are the evil settlers? This is the land Yehovah gave us. We've, we were there. Before 1948, we were there after 1967. So because during 19 years it was occupied by the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan, the people who live there are evil West Bank settlers. 
They are a fulfillment of this prophecy. Jehovah has returned the captivity of Israel. They built cities out of the that were desolate. They literally did that. They've literally planted vineyards and they've literally grown, you know, uh, raised up, um, uh, you know, orchards and they're eating the fruit. And the world looks at this instead of seeing the, seeing this happen. They say, instead of saying Jehovah is amazing. In the time of Amos, before the first exile, he already prophesied that 2,000, I don't know, five, six, seven hundred years later, that this thing would happen. And now it's finally been fulfilled and the world looks at it and says, oh, they're evil settlers. They're, you know, this is, you know, some foreign Western colony. They should go back to Russia. Russia, we were there for a little bit of time. Maybe it was a couple thousand years, but this is where we came from. We're reading the book of Amos about Tekoa, and, and that same Tekoa is where there are Jews living today planting vineyards. And, you know, and um, yeah. I got to tell you, you know, we, um, we, you know I, one of the things I really enjoy doing is going to the grocery store. <laughs> and I'll tell you why I love going to the grocery store. I don't, okay. I don't love going to the grocery store because I hate to shop. I hate. Can I say hate? Yeah. And every time I'm with you, you always want to go to stores. We go to stores. Okay. But. But going to the grocery store, I mean, what in I Israel. love in, in Israel, okay. everywhere, <laughs> everywhere we go, you want to stop. No, but you love the grocery store I love in Israel. In you don't Israel. like Walmart. I don't love Walmart. No, but let me tell you why I love this grocery I store like in Israel. Walmart. It's really amazing to me, Nehemiah. We're in this little teeny small land, mm-hmm. little teeny small land. Yeah. And we go in the grocery store and in the produce section. Yesterday, for example, you're like, well, can you grab a few of those uh, peppers? Which color? Uh, take your pick. Yeah. Uh, can you grab some of those oranges over there? Which ones? Uh, get the mediums. Can you grab some grapefruits? Which ones? The bigger ones over there. Can you grab? And there's just this color and color and color and these beautiful fruit and, and vegetables. And it all grows in Israel. And, it all, and this is my point. Isn't that amazing? And it all grows in Israel. And, and how it grew in Israel is the thing that so excites me. The technology that Israel has been able to come into a wasteland. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk oh, yeah. about the history of what this place was described as. It was a wasteland. And now it's filled with this beautiful streams and water and vegetables and fruit. And you go into the grocery store and you read a verse like this that says they will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. And I I think we saw from the time we came out of that grocery store until the time we got back to the apartment, I saw five different places open areas where I could look in and all I saw was beautiful color fruit, yellow and green and red and orange and purple. I mean, and there's purple fruit here. I mean, there's all these like colors and colors. I talk about the skin color of people. It's the colors of the fruit that just absolutely mm-hmm. shock me. And, it, and and the taste of the fruit. Can I just, can I just talk about Please. the taste? <laughs> you know, we grab an orange and I peel the orange and it's succulent, you know, it's slopping down the side of my, my lips. And I'm just thinking, I read this verse, I go into the grocery store, and the Bible verse comes alive. Mm-hmm. It's actually happening. Your mother, Bubby Dina, says, make sure that you get, and she puts a list. <laughs> no, what did she do? Did she give us a yeah, list? Shopping she gives us a list. 90% of everything on the list is a fruit or a vegetable. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Grown in the land. Amazing. And boy, she makes it sing when she puts it together. Oh, yeah, she I had does. Dina's chicken soup. You're kidding me. It was filled with color. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, this is an example of this being fulfilled. Yeah. That, that people here, they, they make the gardens and they eat their fruit. Oh, Jehovah himself has planted Israel in this time, in this land, never again to be uprooted. 
Mm-hmm. Is that not exciting? That is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Even though the nations are gathering together saying, well, maybe it's okay. No, they it. say we need to uproot you. We need to, you know, send you send you to Russia. Get you back to you know, the other line. And send those, you know, the Jews, uh, who, who, you know, back to Morocco and back to Iraq. And, and we're all like, well, wait a minute. We're not, we're not colonists in a foreign land. We're the returning captivity. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. It's in the scriptures. It's right here in the book of Amos. And Yehovah promises he's going to plant us in the land and we won't be uprooted. doesn't matter what the united nations says mm-hmm. wanting to upper israel it doesn't matter what uh iran and the mullahs say wanting to up israel doesn't even matter what isis says we're here Yehovah is the real one true god mm. and there's nothing you can do to prevail against him can and, i get an amen? amen and at the end of the phrase it says this amar Yehovah eloheka who says Yehovah, your god isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. He said it. It's not a matter of you saying it. You yeah. can get up and preach all you want. Netanyahu can get in front of you and say it all he wants. God said it. And, so, and he says it. they won't be uprooted from the land which I gave them. And wow. that's the bottom line. Wow. It's his land he created and he gave it to us. Mm. And, and maybe that's the point of these nations in the beginning. He gave the land of Cush to the Cushites. He gave the land of he he gave land of Cush to the Cushites. That's right. He gave the land of of uh, of, of of Philistia to the Philistines, I guess. Uh, you know, to the Kafterites. Yeah. He gave the land of Kir, or, you know, he took the, them from Kir and gave the land of Aramea to the yeah. Arameans. Yeah. And the point is, just like he gave all those things to those different nations, he gave Israel their land, and no one can stand against that and challenge that. Boy, we could go that, so far. Or we could go so sure, far on We this. sure could. But you know what, Nehemia, we've got so many more, and we're going we're yeah. to be able to continue to do this. And I, I just have to say, uh, it is it is exciting to do this here. Yeah, to do this here. Yeah, and and one more thought is we we read about all the nations called by Yehovah's name. I wonder if those Cushites and those Philistines and those Arameans aren't also nations called by Yehovah's name. Hmm. So yeah, and 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 I think again that's the homework for people. We're going to edit Go, this part out. No, you're wait, opening wait. up a big controversy here. Do you think it's possible that God would do that? Bigger, big, really? absolutely. Well, I mean, the one verse that comes to mind is in Isaiah. What is it, fourteen, where it talks about three nations that. Yehovah is, you know, having this relationship with Assyria and Egypt and Israel. They're, they're this triad together. I mean, so that, so yeah, absolutely. Wow. Hallelujah. Right. But again, the homework is go look at nations around the world who know Yehovah's name. And those are the people are being spoken about here. Amen. Wow. All right. Okay. I'm going to end with some prayer. Oh, Yehovah. Avinu Shabbat Shemaim. Yehovah, our Father in heaven. Yitkadeshimcha. May your name be sanctified. The name Yehovah. That many nations around the world have known. And yes, Yehovah, they've, they've gone off in different directions and maybe they don't fully understand you. And maybe they have a confused message of your word, Yehovah, but they know your name and they're coming to know you and they're growing in knowledge of you. And Yehovah, I ask that you, you when you shake us, when you put us in the sieve, you've promised that, that none, none will fall away. None will be lost to the ground, Yehovah. This may be a painful experience, Yehovah, when this happens, and it has been painful absolutely throughout history. Yehovah, I ask that you have mercy on us, and and, um, mm. and Yehovah, I ask that you you um, let our blessing be so abundant that our threshing overtakes our vintage and our vintager sowing. And and Yehovah, I ask you to to sow into us your Holy Spirit and bring back the remnant that as you promised and. Gather these nations who are called by your name to you, and let not one grain fall away to the earth, Yehovah. In your holy name, Yehovah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. International.com.